I hated group projects in school. There was always that one person who was the slacker and they just didn't help. And then there was always another person who wanted to take over and do the entire project their way without genuinely wanting input for me and others in the group. I just always preferred working solo because I knew that I would get the work done well and that those school group projects never really taught me the benefits of true collaboration. But as I learn more in business, I see how true collaboration and partnership can really help me to do less in my business and lead to massive growth. I always say, you can't be the one wearing all the hats in your business and the only one doing if you truly want a sustainable, long-lasting business and partnering is one way to help you do just that. I am Shanice Miller and welcome to my podcast, Do Less. Yes, that's right, Do Less. It used to be cool to work 60 hours a week, but the world has gotten smarter and realized why spend more time to make the same or less money. I help small business owners build systems and processes to help them scale and find more time for themselves and their families. I'm going to provide you the best practices and all the tools and tips to scale your business. Welcome to my show. Today, I'm bringing Diane on the show to share her experience with partnering in business. Diane Helbig helps small business owners and leaders create strategies that work. Her superpower is being a pragmatic possibilities thinker. With Diane's guidance, professionals decide on goals, create an action plan, and implement that plan. She walks alongside them like guardrails, keeping them from falling off a cliff. Diane is also the author of Succeed Without Selling and the host of Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast, which is why I wanted her to share her journey with you. Diane, I'm so glad that you're on the show today. I am so looking into partnerships and hearing more about that. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So when did you first get that idea that you wanted to partner with another business owner? Oh, gosh. Um, pretty quickly into starting my business, um, I had a friend who had gone through a program with me and um, and I had an idea and I thought she'd be perfect for it. And at the time, her business was struggling a little bit. And so I thought, you know, what, I'm going to throw this out to her. Um, and so I did. And it was for us to create a separate coaching business for franchisees but pitch it to franchisors. So about selling, she was an incredible salesperson and, um, but had gone into coaching like I had. So uh, we sat down and talked about it, came up with everything, put an operating agreement together so that, you know, everything was good. Uh, and, and it was great. I mean, we knew what each other's strengths were. So, and, and so we were really good with, whatever it was, that person taking on that role. Um, it didn't end up working because we got ourselves caught up with a franchise and let them take us in a direction we probably shouldn't have gone in. Uh, but And she has since gone off to do great things as well. But um, that was the first time I had considered partnering and uh, it was a pretty good experience. Okay, so... You said that you knew that she had some special skills. Would you be willing to tell us what were those special skills that you saw that 
you could help out with and what were the skills that she would be really good at that made yes. you want to be there in the first place? Yep. So I um, am, am a real detail-oriented person, logical thinker, right? And and she's a very creative thinker. Oh, so, so just like two things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they always talk about the integrator and the creative or, you know, the business uh, owner, the owner and the owner operator. So yes. you want to take both of those forces together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would handle like the financial side of things. She was really great at coming up with the programs we were going to do. And I think she even created our logo and, you know, she had all that. And I was more of the structure systems sort of person. So, so there were those two things, but we also um, got along very well. And so we could bounce ideas off of each other very well and respected each other and could listen to each other. And so, so there weren't really egos involved. It was really about, this is what's best for us. This will work. This won't work. You know, let's hear these ideas kind of thing. And when we went to visit with our prospects, um, we traveled well together. We uh, planned how we were going to have these meetings and conversations well together. It, It was really Um, and we listen differently. So we would leave a meeting and we would debrief and I would hear things she did not hear. And she would hear things that I hadn't heard. And it was really, you know, it was great. It was, and I take a lot of notes and she just sits in the moment. So it was great. I know exactly what you're talking about because I am that same person and I've experienced the same thing where I would leave a meeting and someone who I came with heard something completely different than I did. And that's like the to me, that's the amazing, how amazing it is to have different strengths than someone else. And yes. that was one of like the biggest things that for partnering, when you have that strength and someone else isn't as strong in that place, instead of focusing on your weaknesses, trying to enhance those, you're sitting there really saying, oh my gosh, like this person's strong. I'll put you in that position. I'll go in this position. Right. What was it about your business when you were first starting off that you said, let me partner? What was it specifically? So I believed that, how do I want to say this politely? The, the franchisors were not training their new franchisees uh, to be successful at sales. Mm. So and sales was a big part of my business sales training and and coaching and i i think because i had watched uh franchisees engage in uh trying to sell and and really struggling with it and so i thought you know this is something we could bring to the franchisor where they would just add it into the franchise fee and we would go and do a real deep sales training for their salespeople or for their owners before they actually went into the field. And then we could do regional things following up and and things like that. And I reached out to Shan because she had been such a successful salesperson and a success and and successful in sales management. Mm -hmm. And so I knew she understood what works in selling just like I did. We had the did same- you know her as a long-term friend beforehand, or how did y'all meet each other initially? 
you know, I'd known her for about a year. We we uh, took the same coaching certification course and we were partnered. So they buddied everyone up and she and I were buddies. And so every week, at least, we were on these calls together and we were, you know, engaging in between. So we had a really good opportunity to, to get to know each other uh, through that course. I think that course was six months. And then we just stayed connected to each other because of that. We were such a good support system for each other that, that we communicated constantly after that. Okay. So yeah. So you built that bond with her. You were really starting to get to know her, see, okay, these, these things might work as us having partners because I see where she's really strong and maybe I don't really want to do those tasks and (laughs) the tasks that she kind of doesn't really like to do. Those are the tasks that I do, those details, the accounting. So I see how, you know, in, you know, conceptually, it's like, oh, this would be wonderful yeah. if we join forces. I just focus here. She focuses there. So y'all are going out. You are finding this um, franchisee that you are going to add in this sales mm-hmm. program into their business. So that's a that's an interesting thought right there as well. What was it that you said, okay, they really, really would need this and they really, really would want this? Uh, That's a great question. So we knew they needed it because we had been experiencing in our business lives, franchisees who were engaging in sales practices that that were ineffective. And so we were seeing them everywhere. What are some of those practices? so uh, believing that they had to walk in 40 doors a day or make 40 calls a day, it, you know, it's this whole philosophy. Um, being told... Philosophy too, like you need to make 100 calls right. a day. You need to, you know, do all these out, all this outreach. And that's a lot of work. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, logically, it, it doesn't work. Because if you're calling 40 people a day, let's say you got 10% engagement. First of all, you couldn't possibly call 40 people in a day. You couldn't go visit 40 people a day and actually have engagement. Um, But then you have to follow up with those people. So it's not just 40 a day, then it's 80 a day. And then it's, right? So it it really is, is tremendously unrealistic and it's more activity than productivity. So it's crazy. And and then they get to this place where there's a certain desperation that comes into play because they know, you know, they have to pay their franchise fee regardless of whether they are bringing in revenue or not. And they're following these behaviors where it's this, they have to be convincing people. You can't convince people to buy what you have to sell. It was just all of these old time, I will say, sales tactics that um, I don't, I'm not really sure were effective back in the day, but really aren't effective now. And so they were struggling. And it just seems crazy to me that the people should be struggling when we could provide them with a process that we knew worked because we had both been in sales successfully. So, and, and what we were thinking is, it's better for the franchisor when their franchisees are successful. So it isn't good for them to keep bringing in franchisees and having them fail, right? 
Stop I think you brand. need to think of dream in your business too. It's better for your clients to have successful. All of us want our clients to be super successful right? and not for them to fail because right. their success is our success. Yes, right. And so it's a whole reputation management thing. It's a whole, okay, you can't keep bringing, that's not how they're going to make money. Like no one's going to succeed in that situation. So we thought, you know, if we skip, if we bring it all the way back to the beginning and we say, let's get them set off on the right foot. We know they're paying franchise fees. We know they're going through training at corporate. And then when they're off on their own, let's see if we can just insert ourselves in there where we do the sales training and we give them a really good foundation. And then we offer ongoing coaching that then the franchisee could sign up for and pay for. So, and the franchisor wasn't going to really pay for it because they were going to lump it into the franchise fee. So the franchisee would still be paying it. It, it would just, it's just, you know, where, how that was all going to play out. We would just be coming in as their training team, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think that's a great model as well, because that's an easy sell for that franchisor, because it's like there's no extra money out of pocket for you. The franchisee gets the added benefit of additional instruction for making their business successful. So then what didn't work when you were going through this? You kind of alluded and hinted yeah. around to it, but what, yeah. what was that pulled up? So we reached out to a bunch of franchisors and uh, we were doing our follow-up and one of them reached out back out to us and said, got your information. It's really interesting. Our owner um, is really interested in talking to you about actually franchising your model. So we- Which sounds like a great opportunity. Sounds like a great opportunity, but the biggest mistake we made was then shifting and going down that road because, you know, we, we went and met with that. We flew to Florida. We met with them. We listened to everything. We came up with this strategy for, we would coach some of their people for free so then they could get feedback on how, you know, how we were and this is how it would look and this, that, and the other thing. And it totally took our eye off the ball. You're so right. right about that because that's like the shiny object syndrome. Yes. You're here, someone dangles this. It's like, it's a great opportunity, but that's a whole different audience, a whole different target market, a completely different messaging that you're doing. You're shifting your whole business model. And before yeah. you know it, you are pivoting from what you know is going to work well to something else that seems like a great idea, but you haven't quite uh said if it is going to work or not so right yeah it, i mean it was it was really unfortunate and 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 we lost control of the entire process right like we should have said to him you know that's a really interesting idea we're happy to explore that down the road right now this is what our focus we're, we're not necessarily interested in franchising our model or i our idea this is where we're going with this. And so, you know, we were basically young in business and got all caught up in the hype and did the whole thing and, and went through all the, and it, and it just wasn't, it, it wasn't a thing. It just wasn't going to turn into anything that, that they thought. And then, um, 2008, why was that, why was well, that going to turn into a thing? Um, 
we were conflicting because, partly because we were losing control over the process. So now we had someone who thought they knew more about what would make us successful in this than we did because they had that part of the knowledge base and thought you can turn anything into a franchise basically. And then 2008 hit and the economy tanked. Uh, a lot of people probably younger people don't remember this, but um, it, was, <laughs> I remember it, it wasn't great. Uh, and so the, everything just sort of went on the skids and, and, organizations pulled back from implementing a new any new initiatives or and that's you know really what happened they, they were like okay well we, we need to put this on hold because we have to keep everyone else everything we already have in place afloat while we get through this couple of years of difficulty and you know i think i was on the other side of it when all of that was happening i was 2007 i graduated high school so 2008 to through 2011, I was actually um, going to, I was in college, graduating 2011. And in the midst of being in college, I said that, oh, you know, I would think I want to be a business owner. I was reading all these books on investing in real estate. And once I graduated, um, I ended up talking to someone who said they were a real estate agent and investor. And I told them my dilemma, which was I had exceeded the amount of personal money that I could use to purchase properties because I had already purchased two under my name within six months. And he was just like, oh, well, unless you have a rich uncle, you know, you should go ahead and start a business. So I pivoted from where I was going down in 2011, the perfect time for buying a property so cheap because of that whole crash and pivoted into business, starting over, starting that whole learning curve of learning a new model, learning what I was going to do over again, where if I would have just stayed that course, yeah. if I would have yeah. just kept on that direction, my my body still yearns for investing in real estate. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, you, it was great that I learned about business and I love the business that I have now. Yeah. If it can really shift you and change you off the direction that you were going, that you were already starting to build momentum for and having that compound effect. Yeah. So, that's that's really interesting that the downward shift and then it led to the business owners not really wanting to put that into their model. Um, how did that impact you? How did that make you feel? You know, we were really okay with it because we were, we had gotten to a place where we were realizing this really wasn't, there wasn't going to be a great marriage here. And during that time, both of our business, our regular businesses had really started to take off. So we were in a place where we didn't necessarily want to invest any more energy in that. And so that ended up being a good thing. That that was okay that it just dissolved and she went her way and I I mean we're still friends, you know, we're still good friends. We just took our businesses in our regular businesses in the directions they needed to go in. Okay. So initially you wanted two people pushing that same goal agenda mm-hmm. forward splitting the tasks, one person's focusing on one thing, the other person focusing on the other thing, mm-hmm. staying in the zone of genius and doing it wrong and, you know, not wearing all the hats Yep, uh, was, you know, the ideal. But now I believe you teach people exactly how to partner in business. Um, what do you see is preventing people from partnering in business from what do you see that's per- 
that not partnering in business is preventing people from accomplishing? Well, I would say most of the time it prevents them from being able to scale their business in a way that they would like to. Uh, because there are opportunities for businesses to get in front of other target markets where it might be difficult to to make that shift initially but if you can partner with a company that that is their target market that, like you have similarities but you also have differences as far as who you work with you can both benefit greatly from that because you're both going to serve who you both serve but then you can cross pollinate to the other um prospect bases so to speak yeah, I, so I it, it, can be, it can be a great growth thing i definitely uh see what you're talking about there like if someone is doing say web design and you're a copywriter then those two things would go well together as a partnership or a joint right. venture partnership person because it's like you're you know the web designer is not trying to do copywriting and has clients right. that they know need copy Whereas yeah. the copywriter is not trying to do web design, but they probably know people that could have a nice refresh on their website. So it's a nice win-win for both of them if they could be referral partners and going going back and forth with the client saying, hey, yeah. these are certain services and expanding the audience that way. Right. Right. That's exactly That's exactly what it is, I would say. One thing that sometimes people do is they have two that they um, are approached by someone who does the same thing they do, and that person wants to partner, and that can be tricky. Uh, it, it can be somewhat challenging um, because it's not necessary. You have to have the same. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sensibilities about business, the same sorts of uh, viewpoints and outlook and um, aesthetic. I mean, depending on, you know, what your business is about. And so like one of the things that I say to people is do not jump quickly. Like give yourself an opportunity to really get to know them and let them get to know you. Because it's the, and for you to understand how each other operates as businesses. And if there's a place where we were talking before about different skill sets coming together, well, if you don't have that, then you're both going to be trying to do the exact same thing. I don't know where the benefit is on that necessarily. So it, it takes that um, discovery an exploration process to make sure that it does indeed make sense for, for you. It can look great on paper and not necessarily be a great thing in practice. Mm, I think we've all been able to relate to something looking great on paper, but in reality, it's not. And I just deeply believe that collaboration over competition wins every time. Every time. There, there really is more than enough for everyone to have and to be successful. And really, to me, partnering helps you to go further faster. So 
what I want you to do is jot down three ways that partnering with another person can help you do less in your business and then reach out to three people you would want to partner with. Send that email, send the DM, carrier pigeon, anything. It doesn't have to be a long message in true do less form, a quick, hey, I'm interested in partnering with other business owners. Are you interested in hearing more? That quick message will suffice. So Diane, if someone wants to learn more about your services, what you do, where can they find you? Uh, thank you for that. Uh, they can go to my website, helbigenterprises.com. It's where everything uh, lives and uh, they can find the information, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to anybody. So thank you so, so much for coming on, Diane. It was such a pleasure. I enjoyed this talk and I know so many other people will benefit great, greatly, especially me, because looking into partnerships, I'm like, oh, okay, you can't jump in. <laughs> right. I'm going to have your, your, your uh, voice in the back of my head saying, don't jump in, don't jump in. <laughs> well, thank so you, Shanice. This, this has been an amazing episode of Do Less with me, Shanice Miller. Share this episode with anyone who needs this today. Leave a five-star rating and review. And remember, if you're an entrepreneur and need to do less in your business, Click the link in the description to work with me.